And when Enoch grew up and when the days of his life had reached 13 years, he began to learn in the books of creation, the book of signs, the book of astrology, the book of the wars of the Lord, the book of the generations of man, which had been given to Adam. Welcome, friends. I'm your host, St. Garcia. This is Secrets Revealed here on Truth Frequency Radio. And I thank all of you again for joining us this evening in live broadcast. We are continuing our discourse on the Book of Enoch going chapter by chapter and by verse by verse. And I am joined this evening with my co-host, Rob Skiba. Rob, are you there, brother? Hey, Zen. How you doing, man? Good, man. And I appreciate you and all the work that you do. And I'm looking forward to getting into the dream visions. But I do want to first just apologize to you, man, that, you know, this, um, you know, that a lot of your work has been disappeared just because of your association with me and it it's really disturbing to me because i know how much effort you put into the virtual house church and how much it was a benefit to other people and yeah i feel like you're being punished just because you're friends with me and it just doesn't (laughs) sit right yeah no man don't don't feel you don't need to feel that way i mean i I can appreciate that because i said the same thing to some other people (laughs) you and i are a lot alike man uh i had jake grant was uh co-hosting with me on virtual house church this past weekend Uh and you know he's gotten the boot from uh now you see tv also and really and but he's going off on his own you know i'm like dude you know you know whatever went down however it went down you know i know right now it's it's kind of tough but look man i mean he's everybody knows him you know Uh, he's a familiar face in the community he's done great work so i mean he's he's off to a good launching point to start something new and i'm like you know right and as i say anytime one door closes another one opens you know it sounds cliche but it's true uh but i did tell him i said look dude you know, I, I'm like the plague, man. Like <laughs> anybody that gets associated with me eventually gets branded guilty by association for one thing or another and is labeled a heretic because of me. So I said, dude, look, y- you know, I want you with me. I think it'd be great. I think it's fun. I, I, I really welcome you to be a part of what I'm doing. But if you feel you need to separate, don't don't feel like it's going to offend me because I'm not going to yeah. be offended. You know, I because yeah. I. I was expressing a lot of the same things that you just did. Um, but look, I mean, what I tell people all the time, I say, you, you should judge each person on the merits of their own work. Right. What they exactly. say, what they believe, what they do, judge them. This whole guilty by association thing. And, and first of all, I'm I'm proud to be associated with you, man. I don't have any problem with you. Um, and, you know, if you want to address this a little bit, there's there's some things that have been on my heart um, the last few days. Uh, but all that to say, as far as what happened with uh, the the virtual house church deal, uh, I'm in communication with John Pounders right now, and things, uh, you know, look like we may be able to patch things up between us. But uh, lesson learned, you know, for anybody that partners with anybody on an online platform, always back up your stuff. Yes. And, and, and mirror it on your own channel. Um, right. You know, you're mirroring this on your channel. I'm mirroring it on my channel. I don't anticipate right. any problems between us, but in the you know unforeseen event that something did happen, we'd both have it, and you know, wouldn't be right. a problem. Uh, <clears throat> but fortunately, 
for totally unrelated reasons. Uh, you know, back in November, December time frame, we were talking about, hey, you know, new new rules on YouTube, right? And the whole right. children thing. And if it's, you know, deemed worthy for children or whatever, however they worded it, there was, there was the pending possibility that we could be losing our channels. And so uh, Sheila just went out there and started downloading my stuff everywhere we could find it, you know, wherever it was. And I was like, honey, can you look and see if you have all the Now You See TV virtual house churches? And sure enough, we had a whole folder, 53 videos uh, from them. So so it's been recovered. I, I mean, I have them. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. And, uh, it, you know, of course, it's a bit of a pain to have to, because I'm going to have to re-upload it to my YouTube channel and then re uh, re-embed each video on each page of the virtual house. There's like 53 pages that have blank videos on them right now, you know? Right. So I got to go through it. But, uh, you know, rather than being overwhelmed with it all at once, I'm just going to, you know, week by week, just keep updating it until it's done. Yes. Yeah, I'm yes. not going to, I'm not going to stress out over it, but it, it is unfortunate, man. I mean, I actually spent quite a bit of time going through your stuff this last week because, you know, I, I don't remember if it was on your channel or my channel, but I was defending you. You know, on one of the shows we yeah. did, um, and you know this whole issue. This it's like a cyclical thing, man. This issue of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I was getting in trouble for this back in 2013 for different reasons. Um, you know, I, I I was saying, look, it's the breath of God. It's the breath of God. You know, uh, no, it's a third person in the Trinity, and it's man, and you know all this stuff. And that was Chris Putnam and. Um, uh, Mike Hoggard at the time were going psycho on me, <laughs> uh, and it caused a lot of problems uh, for us and a variety of different uh, groups that we were with. But anyway, I, I'm like, okay, I mean, I know because you and I have talked about different things both on air as right. well as off the air, and yes. I know your position. I'll just state it here again for anybody that's listening is that, and correct me if I'm wrong, Zen, but my understanding from what I've listened to and what, what I think I know of you is that uh, the Greek word for wisdom is Sophia. Yes. Uh, you recognize wisdom in Proverbs chapter 8 as the Holy Spirit, as do Holy I. Spirit. And yes. we're certainly not alone in that interpretation. There are many, many scholars throughout the centuries, millennia perhaps, that have recognized wisdom um, as the Holy Spirit in Proverbs 8. Yes. Now, yes. everybody listening right now, just go read Proverbs 8 and Tell me right. what personal pronoun you find there. It's exactly. she, it's her, it's feminine. The right. Hebrew word ruach is feminine. Feminine. Um, and so, you, you know, I, my understanding of, of your understanding is that you're saying, look, uh, the word itself is feminine. Wisdom is the Holy Spirit. It's described as feminine. The, ain't the earliest text that we have of the New Testament uh, where it's talking about the, the uh, comforter it, it right. was feminine. It's been changed yes. to he from she. Exactly. Um, and early church fathers and various rabbinic and Jewish writers and whatnot uh, all recognized it as feminine. Right. So I, I was cool with all that. Um, and I saw it when I was looking through your stuff. I mean, you got like a million videos up there, dude, like on your <laughs> website. Uh, and I just kind of had to laugh in sympathy because uh, I saw, you know, even a year or two ago, uh, you were you were in the in crowd with various people that you were having <laughs> on your shows and you know it's all cordial it's all great it's all wonderful and then like you know a month or two later <laughs> you're you're public enemy number one the heretic right. of heretics and you know you, right. everybody's got to get a run from zen 
Yes. So I was, <laughs> I was, I was looking at all that, uh, in, and I saw that uh, Dean Odell had keyed in on on the Sophia issue. Same thing, right? Yes. And maybe we'll just ask you point blank here, as I've asked you before. Do you believe when you are referencing so- Sophia, are you refer- referencing the pagan goddess by the same name that the Greeks no. understood Sophia? No. No. Of course yeah, not. Not at all. <clears throat> you know, again, my position for this is strictly based on Proverbs and the Apocrypha, which was part of the 80-book original King James. King James Version of the Bible. You know, you have things like Baruch, the wisdom of Jesus, son of Sirach, the wisdom of Solomon, which goes into great detail, all labeling, uh, you know, wisdom, the Holy Spirit, which again is the Greek word Sophia, the Hebrew word Shokma, as being feminine. Um, you know, anybody can go read it from themselves and not go outside of the King James Bible to determine this. And so, yeah, I, I just don't understand all the attacks and accusations and I've never gone into it where you know I'm bringing up um, anything from Babylon or uh, anything else and so yeah yeah. well as I started writing a blog uh, about this whole thing uh, I was like well not always but many times the people that attack you as well as myself uh, are coming from a King James only uh, background. Right. No, I study right. from the King James. It's my preferred study Bible and has been for 43 years of my life. Uh, when I accepted Christ at age seven, and as long as I've been able to read, I've been reading from the King James. I just recognize that you know it's not perfect. There are issues. The fact that it's the only English translation that uses Easter, wrongly translating the word Pascha uh, that is everywhere else, rightly translated as <laughs> Passover into Easter right. should give anybody pause for concern, but that's just one of many issues I could give. That said, uh-huh. you know, when people say they're King James, most of them are posers. They're not 1611. They don't use the word Iusus. Right. They use Jesus. That didn't show up until uh, 1769, right. uh, I think it was, um, when they changed Iusus uh, to Jesus. So the word Jesus didn't exist in human language till less than 400 years ago. You know, like 300, right. 300 and change. So if, if you're claiming to be King James only and you're saying Jesus, sorry, you're a poser because it was Iesus. Furthermore, right. as you stated earlier, it had 80 books. Not And uh, I forget the guy's name, uh, George Abbott, I think he was an archbishop of uh, Canterbury. He was one of the uh, original translators of the King James. He invoked whatever law they had at the time to say that it's one year in prison if you... If you change. remove the apocrypha, right? If yeah, you take out the apocrypha, change. and yep. King Jimmy himself had a had a, <laughs> had a statement st- uh, testifying that he considered it on par with the inspired scriptures. So yes. you, King Jimbo himself, and at least one of the translators who was so passionate about it said, "You go to jail for a year if you take it out." All acknowledge the apocrypha as part of canon. So if you're going around saying you're King James only and you're using Iesus and you got a 66 book, sorry, you're a poser. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. Um, and, and so I, this this was sort of like a rabbit trail, and it may seem like what's that got to do with anything, but what I was segueing from that was into um, the wisdom of Solomon being one of the apocryphal texts, and you know people who've been listening to me on the issue of the Holy Spirit know that my position is 
it's the breath of God. Um, right. And uh, the Yeah, it's the nefesh. It's, yes. it's the breath of God that Jesus, uh, when he ro- rose from the dead, he's in the room with his disciples, and it says he breathed on them and said, "Receive the Holy Ghost." Um, but I give a lot more. You know, you know, just a, a flood of text to support the position uh-huh. that the Hebrew word itself, ruach, as well as the Greek word pneuma, means breath, wind, spirit. Yes. So, you know, I'm just like, okay. So I'm like, yeah, I mean, you and I have had conversations uh, both on the air and off, but I'm like, yeah, I want to see what he's got, you know, because I know you, you, you do like multi-part series on different things. So I'm like, right. I'm going to go through right. your, you know, I was combing through your videos, man. And it was like, I don't know, two years, two or three years ago, you did a three-part series on all this, probably right about the time right. D- Dean started going psycho on you. Yeah. Because uh, I could tell your attitude at some point. You're like, what is the matter with you? How come you can't see it? Like, I just read it to you. Like, right, <laughs> like, right, yeah. And you had, like, you know, of course, there's a lot of repetition in there, but you still, you had six hours of machine gun rapid fire text in the uh-huh. the vast majority of it was coming from King Jimmy, uh, right. including... Well, at, th- at first, I don't think you did the Apocrypha. You're just going through, like, Proverbs 8 and stuff. But, yes. But when you yes. bring uh, Wisdom of Solomon into it, I was like, ooh, that's good. Ooh, that's good. Because, like, especially, like, chapter 7, 8, and 9. Right. You were, like, knocking home runs with it. So I'm going, ooh, uh-huh. that's good stuff. So anyway, within a day or two, I should have a blog out uh, on all this just from, oh, awesome. from my perspective. Because people are like, you know, well, how can you be with him? He's this, that. And people, if you read even some of the comments on my YouTube videos, you know, they're like, you need to, you know, get rid of the heresy of the, you know, feminine Holy Spirit and all that. And, but, but the the one thing that I'm not as um, well read or uh, that I haven't heard a, a lot of you your teaching on is the connection to Barbello, which is what uh-huh. Carico is uh, is zero. Right. On. So you had right. you had Dean Odell zooming in on Sophia, which as soon as I looked into, it, I just immediately dismissed it. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest with you. Barbello is a little harder for me to dismiss, yeah, uh, because well, that's, of the stuff associated with it. Right, it is from the Nakamani Codices, but that particular book that he is quoting from, Barbello is the Holy Spirit in that text, in those particular texts, and so in same thing in the word Sophia is used in association with that term. And so it's all the same thing, uh, even though, you know, they are saying that I'm trying to worship some kind of pagan goddess or whatever. Uh, I was just reading from those particular texts because in that book, The Sons of God, I decode a lot of the Nakamata codices. And I explained that, you know, Sophia in those texts is the Holy Spirit, same as it describes as being wisdom in the in proverbs and so i spent a lot of time going through and showing that but he is specific to um because i did in the acknowledgments of my book that particular book i used that word for the holy spirit and i'm giving honor to the father the son and i use that word barbella which is for the holy spirit in those particular texts because that book is about uh, and deciphers and decodes a lot of the Nakamati stuff. And so it's all the same thing. But, you know, again, he's taking that out of, out of context, which is why I focused when I did that six-hour study 
focus just from the King James to show that even in the Bible, it talks about the Holy Spirit as being feminine. And so, you know, for me, it's the same thing. Well, I mean, to your point, like, you know, there's times where I'll say things and then somebody will come along later and say, dude, you probably, I know what you mean, but you probably should word it differently because this is the way it comes, yeah. this is the way it comes across. And, uh, so like I'm I'm kind of feeling the same way. It's like okay, I know what you mean because I've taken the time to. First of all, you know anybody that you know they say answers a matter with before they hear it. You know it's folly to you. Like right. yeah, look, I just yesterday and today I spent six hours listening to your explanations. Okay, like I I know where you're coming from. The most yeah. of your detractors don't have a clue. They won't do that. I mean, yeah, they won't listen. to They're not going to do it. I mean, even in the chat room, people are already kind of like Ooh, what. Um, Again, Zen does not believe in Sophia, the goddess of knowledge. He's not worshiping some kind of, you know, Kabbalistic, Gnostic, right. something or another. However, he's recognizing, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is you're recognizing what people have twisted and distorted, created yes. counterfeits of, exactly. and used names for that originally derived from what we call the Ruach HaKadosh yes, or the Holy Spirit. Exactly. So in other words, that's exactly correct. Yes. The, the biblical Holy Spirit that we see in Scripture uh, is is named in Scripture, canonized Scripture, as wisdom. The Greek word that yes. is translated into wisdom in English is Sophia. The Sophia, Greek word yes. is uh, Chum. Ch- ch- what is Shokma. It? Shokma. 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 So okay, that would be the Hebrew word or name if you capitalize it into a proper noun shokma uh it my, i'm thinking to myself as i'm looking at the introduction to your book there i'm going you probably should have used that word yes <laughs> just, right because it, and i probably will change it just yeah just so to that, avoid the, right. the crap that's being thrown at yes, you right now it's like yes. okay and in, in the body of the text you can go ahead and explain okay the the what is it shokma shokma uh, uh-huh. Was in Greek is Sophia, and later Gnostics took on the concept of this and right. came up with this. I don't even, I can't see where the origin of Barbello comes from, other than that it means something like that which came forth or something like that uh, of, right. of the Father, like the first that proceeded mm-hmm. from the Father, or so some kind of meaning of along those lines. But I was just like. Okay, yeah, dude. If I could give you some loving criticism, I would just say, yeah, maybe use the Hebrew word yeah. there. And then in the text, uh, right? Because on the, you know, it's like what third page you open up to, and you know, some people just throw it across the room and call you a heretic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's wise, and you know, I appreciate um, the criticism and the advice. And you know, I just like with me writing the whole book, Lewis uh, for Father Cain. I had no idea that, you know, something like that would come up and I would be uh, attacked and criticized for it. I'm just reading from, in you know, again, with the Sons of God, uh, deciphering some of the Nakamati codices. And the word Barbello is used for Sophia, the Holy Spirit, and wisdom. And so I was just associating the same thing but yeah i will clear that up and make it precise and so people can understand but i do appreciate you taking the time to you know go through and actually listen to what i say on that and i'm not sure if you saw the um the compilation i did with 
all the different just King James only pastors and preachers and ministers that also have come to discernment on the Holy Spirit being feminine uh, just from the King James. Mm -hmm. um, did you, you see that I, one? I, I saw the video, the the, the uh, thumbnail. Um, I haven't had time to watch that one yet. Okay, well that uh, one's really good too. I've been I've been listening to you in chipmunk mode, you know, uh, condensing right. six hours down to three. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, just going through all that and and like again, I know where you're coming from just because I've had conversations with you. Right. Um, but look, I could see where some people get confused and they get freaked out. And a lot of that comes uh -huh. from, you know, I'm just going to be point blank here. It comes from a Trinitarian doctrine given to us by a Mithra worshiper. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, so when we get the definitions that have been assigned to us upon pain of death, like believe this or you're dead. Okay. Um, that, ca that causes some of the problems. Um, uh -huh. Because you know, uh, I don't know. I don't want to go all, all the way down that path, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, let me uh, just comment one thing with regard to that. Um, you know, the I've been involved with the the Thracian chronicles and the translation of that material, which you know this stuff predates uh, even the Sumerian by two thousand years. And there's a the first four chapters of a book called. The Thracian Chronicles, the book of Adam and Ua, which is an older rendition of the primary Adamic literature. And they describe, again, the, you know, the Trinity in that particular book, just like the John chapter one uh, of, you know, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. Um, and, you know, we see in the different, many different passages, like in Isaiah, it speaks about the word by wisdom ordered the creation. Uh, and even like in Proverbs chapter 8, the same thing. You have the same concept there. And so in my opinion, um, you know, just like with what the Thracian Chronicles, and I just had the bishop on, and I asked him about this as well with regard to the Trinity and the concept of it. And he, like myself, takes it back to Adam. And that Adam, just like, uh, you know, belief in Yeshua as the Savior Messiah, that Adam also recognized the Trinity and the Godhead as being the Father, uh, the Holy Spirit, feminine again, and then the, the Son. And that the family, the nucleus of a human family, is made in the image of the Godhead, in similar to the pre-Adamites in Genesis 126 that you see there male and female created he them and so you know again in my opinion you have the feminine as part of the godhead and that women are made in the image of the holy spirit and so the concept of trinity i know that you believe that it maybe it was the mithra person that established that concept but it's not. It's actually more ancient. No, I'm not. Than that's, that. not that's actually not what I'm saying. Um, oh, no. So again, oh. I, I should probably clear it up just because people can go psycho and look for a soundbite on that one. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, to be clear, I believe in the Trinity, in the sense okay. that we have yeah. a Father, we have a Son, we have a Holy Spirit. Right. That's yes. three, i.e., tri that are in unity. Right. Tri unity right. is Trinity. I yes. believe that. Three and, and one. Yes. Uh, there was, was Quest for Truth episode 14 that Doug Hamp and I did. That's the one that got me in trouble. Um, mm -hmm. But I've got a, a lengthy 
exegesis of what I believe and why I believe and how I believe it. it it's the it's the definition that was laid down for us uh, by Constantine that I question. It's not uh-huh. it's not the elements, i.e., Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, that's not in question for me. I certainly believe the Trinity as Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and I certainly recognize that the Holy Spirit is feminine for all the reasons that you stated, as well as the reasons that I stated even back in 2013. Uh-huh. And I believe that it, it is, as you say, a perfect picture of the family unit, where you have right. you know, father, mother, and child, in this case, son, Yeshua, yes. Yeshua being there. And exactly. I think that's a beautiful picture. I think, yeah, absolutely. I, I think perhaps after listening to the stuff that I listened to that you just did, I think perhaps what we would differ in, and before I say what we differ in, uh, I'm going to just lay it out for everybody. My litmus test for whenever I'm deciding whether or not I'm going to consider somebody else a brother or sister in Christ, I have three things. One, do you believe Yeshua is the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father except through him? John 14, yes, 6, amen. check, yep, okay. Do you believe salvation is a free gift received by grace through faith and not of works? Ephesians 2, 8, 9, yep, great. Do you yes. fit the description of First John chapter 2? And I would read the whole chapter, I'm not going to do it here, but it, you know, yes. when you read First John chapter 2, he tells you, you know, what, what the litmus test is. You know, if anybody says he's in Christ, but, he, you know, doesn't keep the commandments, he's a liar, you know. Right. Um, and he gives a whole list, and, he, and towards the end of it, he says, who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is exactly. Antichrist that denieth the Father right. and the Son. Who, whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. He that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. Oh. Wow. Yeah, wow. That was about quick. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back, everyone. Hey everyone, it's Chris Gio, founder of Truth Frequency Radio and host of Beyond the Veil. The mainstream media and establishment are running scared right now, and they've prominently featured TruthFrequencyRadio.com as number 89 on the federal government's hit list, also known as the fake news list, which is essentially a list of sites slated for censorship on Facebook, YouTube, Google, and other social media. Now is the time for you to get involved. Share your favorite TFR shows far and wide on forums and social media. Tell your friends and family about your favorite shows. If you're a business owner, get in touch with us to feature your product or service right here on TFR. And if you haven't done so already, become a TFR supporter now and get unlimited commercial-free downloads in high quality. Visit truthfrequencyradio.com slash sign up. Thank you for making TFR the leader in independent and uncensored talk radio. Truth Frequency Radio, your protection from deception. Okay, nurse, let's get this man to the ER, stat. Right away, doctor. We see this every day. Heart attack or angina pain due to blocked and clogged arteries. Chelation can remove obstructions or blockages from arteries and help avoid painful and expensive surgery. Now there's Angioprim. It's a liquid oral chelation product that you take with juice. You start to feel the results fast. Angioprim increases blood flow all over the body, and that means more energy and strength to take on the day with less aches and pains. 60 years of research has gone into chelation, and Angioprim is the result, a safe and easy way to unblock your veins and arteries from buildup that slow circulation. Paging Dr. Jones, please report to the emergency room right away. Log on now for a special radio offer from Angioprim. That's angioprim.com slash radio. A-N-G-I-O-P-R-I-M. 
angioprim.com slash radio or call 877-882-7221. That's 877-882-7221. Dowsing is the ancient science of finding water and metal underground. Albert Einstein said that dowsing was tapping into earth energies which modern science as yet does not understand. Diamonds, silver, gold and platinum objects have all been found using dowsing. And now, for the first time on film, we visit the pyramids, Stonehenge and ancient sites dowsing for buried treasure and tapping into this mysterious earth energy. The Enigma Channel, intelligent television for planet Earth, enigmatv.com. No hate, no hype, no, 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 no fear. We are TFR Frequency Radio. And in those days, there were giants in the land, and the sons of the angels of God looked upon the daughters of men and found them fair, and took of them wives, and their sons became a great men of renown. So they have been mixing with us on a genetic level since the time of Enoch and Ezekiel's will. Might be our gods, or that maybe with time we'll do right and evolve and eventually reach what they seek and then solve all the problems of man. But they really don't know that they call and the works of our hands are but just filthy rags. So we travel the lands to dig up our past time lapses and live it on much of the facts of imagine that God's came in All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, it does say in the scriptures that. For the elect's sake, the days shall be shortened, and certainly it seems like uh, the episodes are going by faster <laughs> and faster. Um, but let me turn it back over to you, brother. We'll give you a chance to finish up with uh, what we we're covering, okay. and then we'll go into the text. Okay. Uh, kind of. Well, I want to apologize for taking us on rabbit trails. Uh, people in the audience. Oh, no, are like, I think it's good. Yeah, people are yeah. like, oh, that's good. Well, you know, I, considering the events of this past week, it's it's probably needed at least for some of the some of our audience to kind of clear some things up but um uh what i was saying before the break is that you know i have a litmus test you know uh, as to what what i use to determine whether i would consider somebody a brother or sister in christ in fellowship with them and you know if, if they understand that yeshua is the way the truth and the life no one comes to father except through him salvation is a free gift not of works and they comply with what is said in first john chapter two boom that's it that, yes. for me that's just these are just the rules that I live by uh and and how I look at relationships with different people because right. there's a reason there's 40 something thousand christian denominations denominations christians exactly. can't agree on anything you know <laughs> um but but hopefully i would like to think that within you know those 40,000 denominations they at least got the first two right you know uh-huh. um you know for the most part i mean or at least we understand that jesus is you know yeshua is our savior uh, okay, uh, but 
all the other stuff, I say, hey, you know, I'm not going to disfellowship with somebody because of something that's outside of that criteria. Right. And when I, I was reading from First John chapter 2, you know, uh, whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, and uh, he that acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which ye heard from the beginning. If that which ye heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And I'm going, if Trinitarian doctrine, the way we've been taught it, is so important, then John left one out. Mm-hmm. Repeatedly, in fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I tell people, did the thief on the, th- on the cross have to get the Trinitarian doctrine down right? Did he have to understand the true nature of the Holy Spirit? You know? No. Right, no. Um, these are uh, a big part of our faith and our understanding of the Scripture, certainly. But when I look through the Scriptures as to what a core essential is, it's going to ter- determine my eternal destination. Uh, that's not one of the definitions. That's not one of the things. Uh-huh. So, you know, while it is an important thing, it, it doesn't determine my eternal destination nor yours. Uh, right. If we agree on every aspect of Trinitarian doctrine or the definition or the uh, attributes of the Holy Spirit. Now, that being said, like I said, I do believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three are one. But I tend to view it more uh, in, the, in the same way that you and I, as individual people, are a tripart being. Right. Body, mind, yeah. and spirit. And, mm-hmm. and, and, I, and the reason why I'm, I'm going this route is because I've been a missionary and I've traveled to over a dozen countries around the world. I've dealt with, you know, pagans. I've dealt with Buddhists, Hindu, Muslims, communists. You pick a, pick a group. I've dealt with uh-huh. them. And one of the toughest things when dealing with uh, Jewish or Israelite people and Muslims is uh, our, our standard definition of Trinitarian doctrine. Now, uh-huh. they also understand that there's a holy, there's their Father, a Holy Spirit, and... Uh, they get tripped up on the sun. Yes, and and a lot of that is because you know the Shema, "Hero Israel," you know your God is one, right? Uh-huh. Um, you have. I mean, I'll just read a few scriptures, but there are lot dozens of them. Uh, to you, this is Deuteronomy four thirty five. To you, it was shown that you might know that Yahuwah is God. There is no other besides Him. That's pretty. Right. That's pretty clear. Isaiah forty four six. Thus says Yahuwah, the King of Israel and His Redeemer, Yahuwah of Hosts. I am the first, and I am the last, and there is no God besides me. Now Yeshua yes. calls Himself the first and last, also. So now you're right, like, exactly. okay, wait a minute. Do we have a contradiction here, or do we have to reframe our understanding of who Yeshua is? Exactly. Yes. Um, Isaiah forty five five. I am Yahuwah. There is none else. There is no God beside me. Like He's got to say right. it twice in the same verse. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, he says it three times, four times in the same verse. He says, I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. Okay, verse 6. That men may know from the rising to the setting of the sun that there is no one beside me. I am Yahuwah. There is no other. There's 34 verses in the Bible that say the exact same thing. Yes. So I'm going, well, you know, what if I just, I don't know, believe that? <laughs> you know? Right, right. And for me... It's all, I, I think there's anthropomorphic language that is used to help finite beings understand an infinite God. Right. And yeah. he chooses to use words related to things like family, the family unit, because he created exactly. our, our family. And this is what I, I gleaned from listening to you also, uh, and, and where you were coming from, was that you know originally God created Adam, and he pulled Eve out of Adam. Out of it's, Adam, It says, yes. male and female created he them. 
Uh, and Adam is created in the image and likeness of God. And Eve was in Adam before he took it out. And it's right. only when the two come together again in one flesh that they are reunited in the image of God. I'm going, well, yes. okay, then the, the father, and, and I appreciate what you said. And, uh, you said it several times, I actually. You, you said, look, I'm not talking about sex here. Right. Yes. Um, I'm not getting and wrapped not genitals. up. Yeah, yeah, we're not. Nothing like that. We're not getting into you know pornographic you know sex t- type stuff here, and right. you also said on a number of occasions that you acknowledge that pagans, Gnostics, and probably others have twisted and distorted the truth, creating counterfeits. Right. So what I keep it was a chokma, or uh, whatever the Hebrew. Yes. The, chokma. Shuk, yes. Chokma. I'm gonna try to memorize that one. Chokma. Shuk, shuk, <laughs> chokma. 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 Uh, the he- wisdom. Uh, Greek Sophia, th- there is a biblical understanding that that's the biblical hundred dollar bill right. that the Greeks later made counterfeits of, you know, and you know created this goddess of tr- knowledge yes. or whatever, and you know perhaps the Gnostics did too with this Barbello thing and whatever. Yes. There were there were distortions twisted from the original truth of yes. a feminine spirit that proceeded from the Father that is His breath. Exactly. It's the breath of God. So I'm going, okay, That's how, right. this is how Rob Skiba rec- reconciles the the, the, the the apparent contradictions that you see in Scripture. There is none other but me. Okay, Yahuwah says, well, what about the, uh-huh. other, what about the other two here? Uh, yes. To me, this is how I reconcile it. I don't know how much of it you'll, you'll agree with it, but I know we agree the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. My I, my opinion is that, and I'll give you a number of scriptures to back my opinion up, but is that Yeshua is the physical right hand of the Father. Yes. That he actually repeatedly says throughout the Old Testament that his right his right hand is his, his salvation. Hebrew word yes. for salvation exactly. is Yeshua. So he literally says, right. my right hand is Yeshua. Right. And then guess what? This this guy named Yeshua shows up <laughs> that, that uh, was conceived from the Holy Ghost. Right. You know, um, I'm, I, I just simply step back and go, okay, that makes sense. He's a three-part yes. being. Exactly. And I don't have to, because you also run into problems where if you want to get hyper-dogmatic, as many people do, about personhood as defined in the standard Trinitarian doctrine of, you know, three distinct persons, uh-huh. then you got a big problem with Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, because it says that Mary was found pregnant of the Holy Ghost, which is... Uh-huh. You have multiple problems if you understand the Holy Ghost as feminine. So you got wait, wait a minute, what? You got a feminine spirit impregnating a woman. How does that work? Um, and also, if you assign individual personhood, autonomous personhood, to the Holy Spirit the same way you do the Son or the Father, then it, Matthew just told you who the Father of Yeshua was, and it's not Yod Heh It's the Ruach Hakodesh. Uh-huh. So these are the these are the questions that I came to, and I'm going. Uh, that's a problem. Until I realized, no, the father breathed on Mary and she got, she conceived. Oh, right. Okay. Right. And the word became flesh as a result of that. Yes. Came out as Yeshua walked around as a man on earth. Now, we have a hard time rationalizing what I'm saying here. What What are you saying? Is he just a, you know, a flesh puppet on God's hand? What is, how does that work? And without, I certainly don't want mean any disrespect, but... That's actually a fairly good analogy. I've done puppet shows before, you know, uh-huh. and I stick my hand in the uh, in a character, and I bring it to uh-huh. life for an audience. Right. And right. there was a kind of a I use this as an analogy again. I mean, no disrespect, but it's the only way I can describe what I'm saying. 
is I was watching a documentary on the making of Empire Strikes Back, and the the puppet that was Yoda was so well animated by Frank Oz that when George Lucas was or or it was a uh, uh, I forgot the director, not George Lucas, but anyway, the guy that directed Erwin Kirshner, when Kirshner was directing. Uh, Frank Oz, who was under the platform, you know, under the ground with his hand inside this puppet, people were talking to the puppet. <laughs> and, and Frank Oz is, you know, underneath, they'll go, hey, hey, I'm down here, <laughs> you know. Um, but but he did such a good job of animating, bringing to life this piece of rubber yes. to bring a character called Yoda to life. You know, uh-huh. and again, I mean, no disrespect, it's probably a horrible analogy, but it's the only way that I can put it together in words that I can convey what I'm thinking uh-huh. is right. that essentially the father reached into the terrarium <laughs> and right. put his hand through flesh and interacted with us. And people are like, well, you know, he died. He was talking to, who was he talking to when Jesus was praying? And I'm like, well, I mean, I, again, have you ever seen somebody with a ventriloquist? Uh, and again, I mean, no disrespect, but <laughs> you know, if you ever see somebody with a ventriloquist, a ventriloquist, with a puppet on their lap and, uh-huh. and, and he's talking to the puppet back and forth. Right. You know, I'm going yeah. in, in finite human terms, it's the best way that I can try to describe what an infinite right. sovereign God did yes. to interact with us personally himself because he's so powerful. You know, yes. it says he spoke with Moses face to face with as well as speaks with a friend. But then Moses said, Hey, let right. me see you face to face. He's like, Nope, you can't handle it. So what yes. does he do? He covers him with his right hand <laughs> and then walk past him so that Noah, I mean, Moses could see the glory of his backside, you know. Right, his backside. He couldn't see all of his front. Um, and I believe that's what we're seeing in the book of Enoch when the Ancient of Days is, is it, yes. we have the Son of Man there. Right. Um, to me, all of that reconciles just a ton of problems. And Sheila and I were talking about last night. It's like if we can understand ourselves to be a three-part being. Why do we need to split God up? Like, And, and I was listening to um, Josh Peck give his testimony and how uh-huh. in his younger years he dabbled with New Age stuff and he started getting into astral uh, projection, which, uh, you know, I believe it's true. I believe that astral projection is real. I believe we should have nothing to do with it. We shouldn't be uh-huh. engaging in that, but I acknowledge that it is real. And if it is real... Then, then people are doing effectively the same thing. They are projecting themselves out of their body, you know, and having an experience like that. Right. And I'm going, well, I mean, if spirit, if, yeah. if humans can understand ourselves as a three-part self-contained being, I don't have any problem understanding the Godhead in the yes. same way without having to split up. Because what everybody likes to ignore when they start talking about personhood is well, yeah. What do you do about what, what do you what do you do with Isaiah? Uh, what is it? Eleven, and uh, I think it's Revelation. Uh, what is it? Seventeen or something like that? Seven? Uh, no, it's uh, sorry. It's uh, Isaiah eleven two through three and Revelation one four three one four five and five six, where all those texts talk about the seven spirits of God. Right. Uh-huh. And if we demand person enough, these are the spirits of God then they are just as holy as the Holy Spirit. So what do we got? Mm-hmm. How many are we up to now? Eight, ten, you know, <laughs> ten people? Yeah. We, got a, we got a pantheon up there in the heavenly Olympus. Uh, so anyway, that in a nutshell, I guess, that, that would be my understanding of 
Trinitarian doctrine with, with throwing out the Mithra worshippers definition that he gave us. Yes, yes. Yeah, and, you know, again, um, looking at and studying, even in the Great Commission, they say to go forth, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And uh, when you study the other anti-Nicene chronicles, as well as, like, uh, some of the older texts, the Olds of Solomon, things of that nature, which have been removed, um, which I include this in one of my books, The Ancient Prophecies of Christ, how the Trinity is, you know, spoken of all throughout, and it goes, again, back to Adam. And so this concept, even though, yes, we see um, that in the Old Testament, God, the the Father, Yahuwah, speaks of himself as being one, but yet that one is, again, three in aspect. And we're trying to explain these things in human terms when, you know, God tells us also that if you understand not the things of the earth, how can I explain the things of the heaven? Uh, you know, and so it's it's in that kind of manner that we're trying to make sense of and also uh, explain to others this whole concept. And uh, it's simplistic, and yet it's so complex. And so... Um, oh, it is so complex. I mean, yeah. when, when we think of uh, omnipresence, omniscience, you know all right. all the omnis right that that we assign to God. You know I, I will say that biblical cosmology has made uh, omnipresent a lot easier to wrap my mind around. Yes, absolutely. Because uh, when I thought of the Copernican model of ever ever expanding space, you know how does God like? I don't know, like all those worlds, all those how, planetary systems. How is he everywhere? You know, but yeah, when, when I all those galaxies. Yeah. When I when I reduce it down to the terrarium, I'm going well. Of course, he's right above it. So I mean, exactly. You know, right, to right. to a fish in a fish tank. You know, it, it, we're outside of the fish tank, looking in. We're everywhere. You know, what uh-huh. I mean? <laughs> you know. Uh, so that that certainly helps. But again, you know, people want to want to disfellowship and put labels and heretic and inquisitions and all that kind of stuff. I'm going, all of this stuff is ancillary. This is outside of what is yeah. necessary. And don't give me that crap that Zen is worshiping a different God or that I am, you know, right. That's simply not true. Um, People should know better. You, we, they should Come know on. better, but th- these are the accusations that you see flying around all the time. Oh and, yeah, and I know. It's right. like, no, um, he he clearly understands Yahuwah and Yeshua and the the Holy Spirit, whatever name we decide to go by. You know, right. it, it is interesting that that's the only name, at least that I other than you know other things are just descriptives like Comforter. Um, uh-huh. But you know, as a name, it's it's wisdom. That's the only name that I see anyway. I can't think of another. Right. Otherwise, it's just the generic uh, Holy Spirit. And and you also pointed out, rightly so, as I did back in 2013, that when you get to the Greek New Testament. It's the the pronoun autos, which right he she it they them us we yes and neuter even in the King James the Holy Spirit is referred to as an it almost yes. as many times as it is referred to as a he right so to to wrap an entire doctrine around a personal pronoun that can and has been translated in multiple different ways and originally was she right. I, you're on shaky ground as far as that goes. Yeah, and that's what causes a lot of the confusion is because, you know, people don't take it back to the original Aramaic and 
Syriac, and they don't understand that it was originally feminine, as is um, preserved and encoded there in Proverbs. And through translation, going to the Greek, it was made neuter, uh, impersonal, in, in and then afterwards in the Latin and in English translated to he. And so that's, you know, people that, again, don't look back far enough, they they get um, confused on this point, and that's when they attack those that have done their study on it. Well, uh, that's the, the other pet peeve I have with modern Christendom is that they elevate the New Testament over the Old Testament. And right. I, I tell people when I'm doing conferences, if, if they even bother bringing a Bible, I mean, who, who does that anymore? But, you know, if you happen to have a Bible, take it out, and I want you to put your hold hold your Bible such that your left thumb is at the last page of the Old Testament, Malachi, yes. uh-huh. and your right thumb is at the beginning of Matthew, and look at how much is in your left hand versus your right hand. Right. You're going to see a big stack of paper in your left hand and a much, much smaller stack in your right. right hand. And then when you realize that when you take the Apocrypha out, you're missing an even bigger uh, <laughs> yeah, huge stack of paper. In right. fact, I was astounded by this. Uh, let me see if I can look it up in the blog that I was writing. Uh, uh, it's a significant amount. I mean, we just think 14 books, right? But let me put this in perspective. That's a reduction. The, the removal of the Apocrypha is a reduction of 15% of the biblical narrative. They took out more than 150,000 of the original 930,000 words from the Bible. Wow. Uh, so the King James... Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. It no longer has over 5,700 5, verses contained in 168 chapters. Now, like, let that sink in. 15% has been removed. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot, man. And And, and just because <laughs> they didn't want to print it that thick. I mean, not for any good reason. Other than they didn't want to print it all. Yeah, there's probably other reasons. You know, when I when I look at. Uh, well, yeah, I do agree with you. Yeah. I, you know, I, that's what you hear when you or what you read when right. you look up. You know, the the excuse for why they did it, but. Right. When you actually go and read those texts, there's so much there that like, you know, it's it's sort of like when I watch movies that the studios forced the director to cut scenes down for timing purposes or whatever, just uh-huh. to, you, and then you eventually get the director's cut. And you're like, oh man, you know, like, and sometimes right. you don't get the director's cut, but you get deleted scenes in the special features, right? And you know, I've gone back and you know, I, I a lot of times when I get a DVD like that, I'm more interested in the special features than the movie sometimes. Um, and I'm like, man, oh man, if they put that back in, that would have been so. I mean, I've actually re-edited movies, putting back deleted scenes that you know that they had to cut to put it back in, uh-huh. just because it, you know it fleshes the story out so much more. Yeah. Right, and I I look at the apocryphal stuff uh, much the same way, and like uh, first and second Maccabees, like wow. Oh yeah, no doubt. Like I mean, they they say there's 400 years of silence, right? I'm like, no, there wasn't. Right, right. <laughs> there's only 400 years of silence if you hack out 15 percent of the Bible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you don't, I mean, it's a pretty you know it's a pretty clear line from Malachi to Matthew yes. if you leave everything right. in. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, definitely. You know, again, for those that are listening, we didn't mean to diverge, but I think it's important that we address these issues, and we 
apologize and also appreciate your patience and we will definitely go into the text when we uh, return but yeah you know with the apocrypha it's my opinion that the apocrypha is shows sort of like the old testament is focused on the father and the new testament on the son the apocrypha reveals so much with regard to the holy spirit and wisdom and again the feminine aspect and the giants the and the giants. oh yeah so much of the giants right the wisdom of solomon and the whole thing of idolatry and paganism and also the the separate bloodlines because there are mentions uh in this particular text as well of that particular seed as connected to to cain and to the giants and um how the differences in wisdom of solomon chapter two and three is on the righteous and the elect and also the wicked and those that are considered the children of perdition in the same manner that we see in the book of enoch it writes to those particular groups as well yeah now it was in the I believe it was the second video the, the second of three that you were pointing out something um that really caught my attention about or you were saying how i think it was ezra ezra or ezra's or one of them ezra uh-huh that yeah. like like Daniel, he was told to you know stop writing or or you know write all these books, but only release so much and seal yes. the other ones. Uh-huh. And you know what do we got two minutes before the break or whatever? Right. Because uh, you didn't get to finish. You you were saying at the end of your broadcast then also, and I was like, whoa, that, that was an interesting little nugget. So was it your opinion then that some of these Nagamati whatever texts? Yes. Are, are among those that were supposed to be sealed up? Yes, uh, and, and they say that themselves. You know, uh, in, when you read the Nagamani Codices, they say, "Oh, this is the secret book of James, or the secret book of uh, Thomas, or the secret book of Philip." You know, and they are all uh, alluding to the apostles, and um, and they are also written. Uh, you know, when. Christ is not speaking in parable anymore. This is after the resurrection, and he's explaining to them in similarity to what we see in Matthew uh, 13, where the multitudes are sent away, and then they ask him, explain to us the parable of the terrors of the field. And he tells them straight out, you know, that um, the Son of Man is, uh, you know, the children of God are uh, uh, connected to the Son of Man, and then... um, he says that the enemy, the devil, is the father of the tares, and then he goes into you know the how he's going to send forth the angels as reapers to separate the harvest and all of that. And so he explains to them without the need for parable, and that's what we see in the Nakamata codices, even though they are difficult to understand because they are uh, so uh, I guess flowery or um, esoteric. But, yeah, esoteric, and there's a lot of advanced concepts like, you know, the pre-existence and all that is is uh, spoken about in great detail within these particular texts. But but, uh, so, but there's, go ahead. Well, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just my, my understanding. Yeah. Again, you know, th- growing up a King James only Baptist environment, you know, these things are oh the devil, and you don't even look at these things. Right, you know, that's right. The way. Yeah. So I, I still have a lot of that in me, and, and until it's proven yeah. otherwise, you know, I, I maintain the caution. But right, oh, and man. I think that's wise. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back, everyone, and we promise we'll go <laughs> into the text. 
censorship and regulation is becoming an ever-growing problem in today's modern media. From the mainstream to YouTube and Google, the information you're looking for is buried by official narratives and propaganda. This is why TFR is 100% uncensored, unregulated, and listener-supported. The shows on TFR are not micromanaged by the station, and our hosts are free to speak their minds however they please. As such, the views and opinions expressed on our station are of those who make them. If you happen to hear anything offensive on TFR, please send us an email to toughtitty at tfrlive.com, and we'll be happy to tell you that we really don't give a damn. We stand for freedom of speech and non-censorship. If you also stand for free speech, you can go to tfrlive.com slash sign up and sign up for a TFR supporter pass and help us in our mission to keep the airwaves uncensored and unregulated. TFR Live, your uncensored and unregulated protection from deception. I'm Lisa Lacerra, Fox News. Another night of protests in Minneapolis and other cities. After the death of George Floyd, a white Minneapolis police officer is seen on video with his knee on Floyd's neck. The African-American man is seen screaming that he can't breathe. U.S. Attorney Erica McDonald condemned last night's violent demonstration. It's the cornerstone of our justice system is that people have the right to say how they feel and to talk about their their feelings and to protest peacefully, but the obstruction and the destruction of property and harmed individuals has got to stop. The FBI and the Justice Department are investigating Floyd's death. The four police officers seen on the video have been fired. They are reportedly not cooperating with authorities. President Trump signing an executive order aimed at limiting the legal protection that social media companies have. What the president is taking aim at here is the 1996 Communications Decency Act, specifically Clause 230 of that act, which provides for liability protection for social media companies if they are to either censor or remove certain postings from their websites. Uh, the clause that the White House particularly concerned about states, quote, no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be held liable on account of any action voluntarily taken in good faith to restrict access to or availability of material that the provider or user considers to be obscene, lewd, lascivious, filthy, excessively violent, harassing, or otherwise objectionable which casts a pretty wide net whether or not such material is constitutionally protected. Fox's John Roberts at the White House. The move by the president coming one day after his tweets about voter fraud were flagged by Twitter. Tyson Foods says it will temporarily close an Iowa pork plant as more workers are diagnosed with COVID-19. 555 employees at the plant in Storm Lake tested positive. America's listening to Fox News. This is the Truth Frequency Radio Network. T-F-R. Truth Frequency Radio.
And it came to pass when the forty days were filled that the highest spake, saying, The first that thou hast written publish openly, that the worthy and unworthy may read it. But keep the seventy last, that thou mayest deliver them only to such as be wise among the people. For in them is the spring of understanding, the fountain of wisdom, and the stream of knowledge. Second Ezra chapter 14. Uh, and so for those that don't know what we're alluding to, we'll just cover this really quickly and then move into the text. Um, after the Holy Temple is destroyed and all the writings, all the scrolls are scorched and disappeared, uh, Esdras prays to the Most High that the ancient wisdom, the ancient teachings be restored to the people through him. And so God tells him to gather five fast-writing scribes, and he has them write for, I believe it's seven days and seven nights, and they write 204 books, and God tells them to preserve 70 of those, but only for the elect. And again, it is my opinion that uh, some of what we read in the Nakamati Codices, they described as, are, are described as being these secretive books, and that they were kept and preserved for the elect alone. And the reason uh, they are is because the imagery and the explanations are so complex and seemingly so advanced that, you know, the lay people who don't even read their Bible are not going to be able to understand them. And so, um, and so there is a basis for preserving and keeping for the elect um, a certain percentage of the texts and the manuscripts that you know we don't find uh, revealed anywhere else, and I do believe that even some of the Dead Sea Scrolls and others, maybe even the Thracian Chronicles, are a part of this this kind of preservation. Yeah, well, I, I guess I guess um, my concern has always been uh, that these were much later, what they call pseudepigraphal texts that, you know, they're using the names of Judas and various other people, but that they're written like in the 300s and whatever. Um, again, I haven't looked into it well enough to be articulate on any of this, just just kind of the rhetoric and whatever that I've heard, you know, why, uh -huh. why I should avoid them because, you know, these are Gnostics. And, of course, the word Gnostic just means seeking knowledge. So, right, so wisdom, light, wisdom, knowledge. Yeah, people looking for knowledge, not uh, wisdom, enlightenment, or whatever. I do recognize that there were cults and whatnot that also fit under that umbrella term. Right. Uh -huh. Um, but that was my understanding. Of, and you know, like with the Da Vinci Code and all this stuff, you know, uh, it was focusing so much on some of these other texts, you know, Gospel mm -hmm. of Thomas or what have you, that they right. were they were not contemporary. They were not written contemporary with the the gospels of the of the canonized text. That they were much later texts that were pseudepigraphical. Well, some, but the uh, you know the Gospel of Thomas is actually right there with um, first century, is it? and is one of the oldest texts, is even older than some of the gospels, and so really, uh, yeah, and, and a lot of these. Nakamati codices date back to, you know, again, the first century, um, the establishment of the church. And so, um, 
Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know that a lot of they because they are uh, and have the appearance of being texts written by the apostles, and they're named as such. You know, the secret book of John, the secret book of James, the uh, uh, Gospel of Thomas, or the Gospel of Philip, the Gospel of uh, you know, so many, just like with um, the Antonician, those particular texts that are part of our Great Commission series, there's many books of Acts um, mm-hmm. where, you know, they have all these different texts that describe the commission of the apostles in going forth two by two to the different parts of the world in taking the gospel to them. And so there's a lot of that as well. And those are very ancient texts as well, and they're preserved in the discourse and the discussions of the uh, church fathers in deciding what should be canonized. But um, we, I think we should go ahead and yeah. go into, yeah. uh, because really we could cover this whole topic the whole and show. So, yeah, the rest of the show. But. Okay. Um, I know you read, the last thing you read was 83 in Charles. Um, I'm trying to think. I for some reason I thought I read 83 because you remember we had an issue where you dropped off and I think I right. kept reading I don't remember I think that was uh, 82 where you actually made it to section 4 on the dream visions which would be chapter 83 for me right uh, I thought you read that one though let me, let me see dream visions Did Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. The this is about the collapse of heaven and yeah. the destruction of the first world age. Yeah, yeah how right. heaven collapsed. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, so eighty four. So eighty four for you, which probably is eighty three for me. Yes. Let me see. Um, look in some preceding. I'm trying to see if eighty two is the same one that talks about the heaven collapsing. Uh, yeah, I think so. Hills are sinking. Yeah, I think so. So, okay, then, so you're 84, I'll do 83. I think that's right. Excellent. All right, I lifted my hands in righteousness and blessed the Holy and the Great One. I spoke with the breath of my mouth and with a tongue of flesh, which God has formed for all the sons of mortal men, that with it they may speak, giving them breath, a mouth, a tongue to converse with. Blessed art thou, O Lord, the God, O Lord, the King, Great and powerful in thy greatness, Lord of all the creatures of heaven, King of kings, God of the whole world, whose reign, whose kingdom, and whose majesty endure forever and ever. From generation to generation shall thy dominion exist. All the heavens are thy throne forever, and all the earth thy footstool forever and forever. For thou hast made them, and over all thou reignest. No act whatsoever exceeds thy power. With thee wisdom is unchangeable. Mm. Nor from thy throne and from thy presence is it ever averted. Thou knowest all things, seest and hearest them, nor is anything concealed from thee, for thou perceivest all things. The angels of thy heavens have transgressed, and on mortal flesh shall thy wrath remain until the day of the judgment, of the great judgment. Now then, God, Lord and mighty King, I entreat thee and beseech thee to grant my prayer that a posterity may be left to me on earth, and that the whole human race may not perish, that the earth may not be left destitute, and destruction take place forever. O my Lord, let the race perish from off the earth which has offended thee, but a righteous and upright race established for a posterity forever. 
Hide not thy face, O Lord, from the prayer of thy servant. Excellent. All right, 84, R.H. Charles. And I lifted up my hands in righteousness and blessed the holy and great one and spake with the breath of my mouth and with the tongue of flesh which God has made for the children of the flesh of men that they should speak therewith and he gave them breath and a tongue and a mouth that they should speak therewith. Blessed be thou, O Lord, King, great and mighty in thy greatness, Lord of the whole creation of heaven, King of kings and God of the whole world. And thy power and kingship and greatness abide forever and ever, and throughout all generations thy dominion, and all the heavens are thy throne forever, and the whole earth thy footstool forever and ever. Thou hast made, and thou rulest all things, and nothing is too hard for thee. Wisdom departs not from the place of thy throne, nor turns away from thy presence, and thou knowest and seest and hearest everything, and there is nothing hidden from thee, for thou seest everything. And now the angels of thy heaven are guilty of trespass, and upon the flesh of men abideth thy wrath until the great day of judgment. And now, O God and Lord and great King, I implore and beseech thee to fulfill my prayer, to leave me a posterity on earth, and not destroy all the flesh of man, and make the earth without inhabitant, so that there should be an eternal destruction. And now, my Lord, destroy from the earth the flesh which has aroused thy wrath, but the flesh of righteousness and uprightness establish as a plant of the eternal seed, and hide not thy face from the prayer of thy servant, O Lord." You know, when I look at this, uh, especially the end of verse 5 there, uh, and make the earth without inhabitants so that there should be an eternal destruction, if I'm to accept the pre-Adamic Genesis 1 destruction, Jeremiah's flood, it, it, this makes me think there was nobody to pray like that in that first time. Uh-huh. Like, it was like, nope, I'm white. Because even in the, the, in the fiery destruction that's coming, we know plenty right. of people survive it. Uh-huh. you know uh or transformed and you know re-inhabit this place but like that was such a thorough destruction right that yeah the word is perished and it means like complete utter annihilation um yeah in the greek so which is you know i just did that whole show on that talking about that but yeah i agree with you because uh, it says in isaiah forty-five eighteen that the earth was not made in vain and it was to be inhabited and yet um, we see in Genesis 1 2 and onwards that you know all the creatures the hominids and all the uh, creatures of both the water and on land are having to be recreated uh, you know and even the hominids in Genesis 1 26 28 the pre-Adamites are told to be once they're created as couples uh, told to be um, fruitful and to multiply and replenish the earth. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, uh, the other thought that occurred to me, uh, thinking about the idea of a pre-edemic, well, there's, there would be two pre-edemic. You'd have the Genesis 1 pre-edemic yes. destruction of right. Jeremiah, and right. then you'd have the Jeremiah, the Genesis 1 
pre-Adamic male and female created he them. They went out and and then later Genesis two, Adam pulled from dirt. Right, right. So, if there was that second pre-Adamic that I referred to, the uh, how long did they live? Because death didn't come until after Adam sinned. Right. So, uh, and also we see that you know the. Whereas they are created on the sixth day, uh, it's my belief that it was they celebrated the Sabbath in heaven before they were then banished. And it speaks about, speaks about this in the Nakamata Codices that it was on the eighth day that they were then removed from the heavens and placed here on the earth. And so that's two days. Is that like 2,000 years or, mm. you know, or who we don't even really know, but there does seem to be a period of time. And so is that the differentiation between like the Cro-Magnon and the Neanderthal and all those and the different hominids? And there was like uh, in the Colburn Bible, the Scroll of Thothis, it talks about how it was like the Lord of the Rings. You know, there was mm -hmm. elves and dwarves and all these type cyclops, yeah. uh, giants and all that. And so, um, yeah, so we don't know how much time that was. But certainly, beginning with Adam, uh, it's 6,000 years, um, in my opinion. Well, uh, 6,000 years of human history. Uh, yeah, what, human what, history. What, what right. I was talking about was their individual longevity. You know, Methuselah, 969 years. Right. I, I don't know, well, certainly not in the biblical text, but are you aware of any text that would give uh, uh, an age longevity for that group of humans that presumably Cain went to marry a wife and build a city in that area. You know, the the standard explanation for that is that he married a sister. Right, right. Because uh, there is Cain and Abel and I forget the names of the other two, but in the book of Adam and Eve it talks about yeah. both, both were twins. Lulua is yeah, one of them, like I believe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it and again, it, it depends on which text if you're going from like uh, the book of um, jubilees and also some of the primary adamic literature then the possibility is that they were both born with twin sisters mm -hmm. um, and that you know it was because cain loved his own twin uh, that he murdered abel that or at least that's one of the reasons in the story that satan incites him to murder um, able and to take his own twin and to leave and then to you know bring forth children and bear children with him um, in the other stories then it, you know people describe how he was he was cast out as a nomad went east towards the land of Nod and then perhaps um, established the city for the pre-Adamites that were already living in an existence there and so uh, you know, again, it depends on which narrative you go with, but certainly we don't know for sure which one is correct. So, but would they also be limited to less than a thousand years due to Adam's sin? I've I've not seen that, but you know, we we again we don't really know, and we don't even really know what they look like. Yeah, people say because of the you know, the craniums. And then, you know, we have the elongated skull people as well that are living, you know, in this previous before Adam age as well. And so, and then there's hobbit people, you know, mm -hmm. really small type people as well. And so 
we don't really know how long their their length of days or ages were um but certainly the giants were said to even after the flood their lifespan is reduced to 500 years yeah. so how long did they live you know i mean so yeah i think um because we are all basing the ancient past on the life terms and cycles of people of today and when in second ezra's there's also an account of how the stature and also the lifespan of humanity has reduced over time and so uh, certainly by the time of moshe it was reduced to 120 years and even by abraham's time he lived 175 years so but who knows did they the pre-adamites did they live thousands of years we we really don't know yeah the um i was looking up something while you were talking uh, let me switch back over <clears throat> people are watching on YouTube. What I got on, I think we've talked about this in a previous broadcast also, but the, the tomb, Abel's tomb is in Damascus and it's, uh, uh-huh. it's a very long, uh, sarcophagus. I mean, it's like, uh-huh. it's like something like 12 or 14 feet long, something like that. And they say that's Abel, Abel's body. Yeah. It was and, it, you know, he was still a child. So. Cause people ask me, you know, a lot of times, do you think that, normal humans got pretty big or, or bigger than what we are now. Yeah. And yeah, I don't see any reason why not, especially right. if, you know, when I, before I came to the biblical cosmology that we understand now, I used to subscribe to the Kent Hovind, Carl Baugh model of the, the firmament as a canopy that surrounded the earth and protected from, protected it from the harmful radiation of the sun uh, mm-hmm. and also an increase of pressure. That that it would have been, you know, pressurized oxygen. And in that environment, everything, you know, gets more oxygen, everything gets bigger, everything grows. And then when I started shifting over to the cosmology that we now believe, um, I thought, well, you know, that principle and and that science that led to those conclusions still seems sound. But Uh could it still happen under the, in the terrarium? And the conclusion I came to was yes, because. Like I have sensitive ears when I whenever I go like scuba diving, or or even in a deep lake or pool or something, I can't go very deep. Like I I can pop my ears no problem at altitude. I can go way uh, up and have no problem popping my ears. But going down, going down like, I feel like uh, my head's just being crushed and I can't uh-huh. I can't clear my ears and it's just like oh it's so it's brutal. I mean, like twelve feet down, I you know I can't go much farther, and you know that that's a di- a, a different type of pressure. You know, right. when you're under all that water, you're under pressure. And same thing with submarines. I mean, submarines can only go down to certain depths. I mean, some submarines are right. better, better built th- than others, and they can go deeper. But they can only go down so far, and, th- and they get crushed. Right. And so I thought, well, you know, the windows of the heavens were opened, and a whole lot of water filled up the, the enclosure that we're about to read in Chapter 89, I think it is. Um, uh-huh. So if that's the case, then there would be a release of pressure. If we think of the terrarium like a bathysphere that had right. more water above us than we have currently, there's still water up there. David said there's waters that be above the heavens. So there's right. still water up there, but there's less water up there than there was. So it seems to me that the, the science behind the idea of a pressurized earth with greater oxygen saturation is still valid, even in the uh-huh. the Yahuwah terrarium model that I subscribe to. So... 
I could I could take all that to say I I do believe things could have naturally gotten bigger with longer yes. lifespans and you know increased right. oxygen or what have you. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, they, I had this really small book on uh, about the giants, and it was talking about just the previous world age and how uh, even you know these dragonflies with six foot wingspans. Oh yeah. Uh, and yeah, and turtles and ferns that were the size of trees, you know, I mean, yeah. everything was a very much larger stature and which again, I think that the Titans lived during that age and, um, and that we see even some of what looks to be creatures that are fossilized and preserved, uh, and, and petrified, um, that they could have really been living creatures of that particular age. Um, and that the fossilized what looks like mountains now or some portion of the landscape or, you know, some part of the topography that these could have been living beings. Uh, even with what we were talking about with the trees, you know, that perhaps some of these mountains were the stumps of trees in the first world age. We, we don't know. Um, but certainly there is description of that world being submerged drowned which would make sense that everything would become fossilized and that um, even in the recreation of the earth you have the dry land elevated above sea level on the third day uh, and then the mountains being created and the valleys and all the rivers and then the topography everything takes form and shape and then the animals that are created for to inhabit the earth and uh, you know God fills the world again with uh, inhabitants yeah yeah I go back and forth on that uh, um, on the um, what is it no tree no forest on flat earth or whatever it was mm -hmm. yeah. uh, it was a yeah, compelling no it, I mean that was when that video came out it was it was compelling I'll say that much mm -hmm. um, however I've been on Table Mountain in Cape Town South Africa and different places that they were saying was the base of a tree trunk, tree trunk and I'm like, no, mm -hmm. that's a mountain. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm not saying all of them. Well, uh, like but, Devil's Tower, you know, that one's convincing mm -hmm. to me. Yeah, absolutely, and especially with you know the the hexagonal, yeah, uh, with which looks like cells or whatever. Um, it seems to be organic in some manner, and again petrified, and so yeah, uh, but yeah, I'm in agreement with you. Not everything. You know, not every mesa out there was the trunk of a tree, but... Well, uh, uh, there's another uh, guy in, I think it's in Spain. Um, I met him at one of the Flat Earth conferences. Uh, he, he lives in an area where there's a mountain range, but he climbs up there and there's various caves and stuff, and he started looking at it on Google Earth and then started looking at it practically, actually, you know, hands-on, and said, man, I mean, this all, all of the holes and orifices that he was seeing perfectly match the skull of a mastodon type of oh, you know, wow. like a big elephant wow. kind of thing and, uh, right. and, and the mountain range itself looks like it, it does look like a big elephant you know it looks mm -hmm. like there's been some obvious erosion and stuff where parts of it is missing but you know where the eye should be or where the ear should be or where various you know canals should be um, they match and he's starting to put together a thesis on that of course you got Michael Tellinger out there uh, picking up rocks that you, when you when you analyze it, I mean this big boulder 
actually right. looks like it's a petrified heart and right. he takes yes. it to you know a doctor and they look at it and say well yeah this has a here's the ventricle here's the this here's the that or whatever yes uh, uh-huh. so i mean there's no question that that the titan world was flooded um whether right. we're talking about the jeremiah flood or the noah flood right uh and that we're finding remnants of it yes uh, it's a it's a much different world than we live in now yes exactly um, but again, you know, I think that the premise of this is found within the scriptures and that this information as revelation is coming to light just as biblical cosmology did in 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, we got, what, two minutes before the break? No, I probably don't have time to jump into the next chapter yet. Let me, right. Let me look here. Yeah, we got one minute and 30 seconds. So. Okay, so this is, uh, are we finally getting into the animal? Po- yeah, animal apocalypse. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, the next portion. So The animal farm. Actually, I put that at the back of my Archon Invasion book. Yeah, and I think that, again, I opened the, the, the show with description of the books of creation, and the books of the generations of humanity was one of the five books that were are said to have been given to Adam and that he was able to read even what was going to happen to his children and their children far in advance from this particular manuscript and so um, it's interesting because this portion of what we're about to go into seems to be prophetic in that same uh, kind of plausibility mm-hmm. Yeah. so we'll be right back everyone for final segment Views for Extendivite are amazing. Here are some from Amazon. September 2018. Extendivite works in keeping my blood pressure in the normal range. I've been using Extendivite for many years now. May 2018. Great product. I use regularly and I rarely get sick. March 2018. This product has relieved what appeared to be angina pain in my chest and shortness of breath after climbing stairs. I'm quite happy about it. February 2018. My husband, son, and I have been using this product for a few months now, and we have noticed an improvement in our joints and blood pressure. Tell us your story. Get Extendivite today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822, or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. 
If you have hard water, the lime scale not only leaves white spots, it clogs pipes and breaks down appliances, costing you hundreds of dollars in energy and wear. Eliminate lime scale and other water issues like brown staining and bad odors with HydroCare water products available from Wave Home Solutions. Wave's affordable water systems don't use salts or chemicals. You'll love the way your water tastes, smells, and looks. Satisfaction guaranteed. For more information, go to bestwater123.com. That's bestwater123.com. Dowsing is the ancient science of finding water and metal underground. Albert Einstein said that dowsing was tapping into earth energies which modern science as yet does not understand. Diamonds, silver, gold and platinum objects have all been found using dowsing. And now, for the first time on film, we visit the pyramids, Stonehenge and ancient sites dowsing for buried treasure and tapping into this mysterious earth energy. The Enigma Channel, intelligent television for planet Earth, enigmatv.com. listening to the true frequency radio network no hate no hype no 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 fear have taken away the key of knowledge ye entered not in yourselves and them that were entering in ye hindered all right welcome back everybody we'll i'll turn it over to you rob we'll go into the okay um <clears throat> before i read chapter it's 84 in the lawrence for you it's say i guess 85 uh it, this was included in uh, the appendix of my second book archon invasion uh, and this goes on for several chapters. We're not going to get through it all tonight. Right. Uh, no, 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 no. There's a bunch of chapters here. But um, it, uh, I wrote en- Enoch's animal apocalypse dream. In First Enoch chapters 85 through 90, we find what some have called the animal apocalypse, dr- apocalypse dream of Enoch. It covers the whole of human existence as recorded in the Bible from Adam to the final judgment and describes men, kingdoms, and events in allegorical terms. As you read this, take note of the fact that after the Genesis 6 experiment, the first incursion of angels, there is no mention of any other incursion of stars, which are the angels in the text, in the entire record. The first incursion is described in Enoch, 1 Enoch 86, verses 3 and 4. It says, And I saw 
in the vision and looked towards heaven and behold I saw many stars descend and cast themselves down from heaven to the first start and they became bulls among those cattle and pastured with them and I looked at them and saw that they let out their private sexual members like horses and began to mount the cows of the bulls and they all became pregnant and bore elephants camels and asses end quote Later, we see that these quote-unquote stars are judged, bound, and cast into the abyss. From that point on, in Enoch's all-encompassing prophetic dream, we find no further mention of any other stars, angels, quote-unquote mounting cows or women, producing elephants, camels, and asses, which are different varieties of Nephilim. That was like one of my early sort of revelations when I was questioning whether or not there ever was another incursion. Uh And I'm like, okay, when I realize this is giving us a timeline from creation to the end of Revelation, I'm going, well, it's a pretty all-encompassing deal, right. and it doesn't have anything there. So that was one of the things that sealed the deal for me. Uh, yeah, I agree. So, uh, okay, we'll jump in here. After this, I saw another dream and explained it to all explained it all to thee, my son. Enoch arose and said to his son Methuselah, To thee, my son, will I speak. Hear my word and incline thine ear to the visionary dream of thy father. Before I married thy mother Edna, I saw a vision on my bed. And behold, a cow sprung forth from the earth, and this cow was white. Afterwards, a female heifer sprung up, or sprung forth, and with it another heifer. One of them was black and one was red. The black heifer then struck the red one, and pursued it over the earth. From that period, I could see nothing more of the red heifer, but the black one increased in bulk, and a female heifer came from him. After this, I saw that many cows proceeded forth, resembling him and following after him. The first female, young one, also went out in the presence of the first cow and sought the red heifer, but found him not. And she lamented with a great lamentation while she was seeking him. Then I looked until the first cow came to her, from which time she became silent and ceased to lament. Afterwards, she calved another white cow, and again calved many cows and black heifers. In my sleep, also I perceived a white bull, which in like manner grew and became a large white bull. After him, many white cows came forth, resembling him, and they began to calve many other white cows, which resembled them and followed each other. Excellent. All right, chapter 85. And after this I saw another dream, and I will show the whole dream to thee, my son. And Enoch lifted up his voice and spake to his son Methuselah, To thee, my son, will I speak, hear my words. Incline thy ear to to the dream vision of thy father. Before I took thy mother, Edna, I saw in a vision on my bed, and behold, a bull came forth from the earth, and that bull was white. And after it came forth a heifer, and along with this latter came forth two bulls, one of them black and the other red. And that black bull gored the red one and pursued him over the earth. And thereupon I could no longer see that red bull, but that black bull grew, and that heifer went with him. And I saw that many oxen proceeded from him, which resembled and followed him. And that cow, the first one, went from the presence of that first bull in order to seek that red one, but found him not. 
and lamented with a great lamentation over him and sought him. And I looked till that first bull came to her and quieted her. And from that time onward, she cried no more. And after that, she bore another white bull. And after him, she bore many bulls and black cows. And I saw in my sleep that white bull likewise grow and become a great white bull. And from him proceeded many white bulls, and they resembled him. And they began to beget many white bulls, which resembled them, one following the other, even many. Okay, so then the question often comes out, you know, who, who what, what were the colors of the original men? Uh-huh. And, you know, you, you got the the black Hebrew roots guys out there. Everybody in, was black, and you got the other people saying no, everybody was white. Uh-huh. It, at least according to the dream here, it appears like they were white. Uh-huh. Other than Cain, who, who was described as black, and the red one right. being Abel. Abel, yes. Uh, I I interpret that um, with innocence and purity. purity. Yeah. Yeah, and that light and darkness. And and also um, Abel being like the, you know, because killed by his brother, he was killed on Passover, so he was like hmm. the first lamb. Oh, that's you interesting. You know, the first, yeah, the first Passover lamb, that when they brought forth their tribute, it was on the same day that Cain killed his brother Abel, and it was for Passover uh, that they did that. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that this is more speaking about, you know, that Cain being evil, he's the black one, and that um, them being pure and innocent and um, Adam and Eve, that they are described as the white bull and the white heifer, and then Abel being the blood sacrifice uh, that he's described here as the Red Bull. Mm-hmm. But we see that Seth comes forth as a white bull, and we know that he was made in the similitude and the likeness of Adam, as described in Genesis. Um, but it is interesting here that it describes the there being a heifer with Cain. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the possibility of there being a twin sister in the picture and that he left with her, as it describes in the book of um, uh, Jubilees, and um, if it's that one in the primary Adamic literature. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and I was looking at um, uh, Dr. Ken Johnson's, uh, he's got an edition of the book of Enoch with commentary, and uh, he has a footnote on that. He says, when Cain was banished to the land of Nod, he took one of his sisters, Awan, with him to wife, see Jubilees four nine and Josephus one point two point one. Josephus two. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar with that. I have to go look it up myself. But I mean, yeah. that would mean that makes sense. I mean, I've heard similar things, right. and it's interesting. Yes. It shows you know Eve going out trying to find Abel, right. Abel, and, and lamenting o- over it. Yes. Um, I do want to say, because I've seen some conversations, I'm just skimming the chat room, so I'm not getting everything that's going on there. So uh-huh. everybody in the chat room, forgive me if I get it wrong there, but you know, often the issue of quote-unquote race comes up. And I'll just say this. I, I'm i of the opinion that there's only one race. There's a human race. Right, period. human race, exactly. Period. I'm with you. The, the amount of melanin in somebody's skin, to me, is completely irrelevant. Right, um, I agree. And people that want to make it a, a race issue, quote unquote race issue, color issue, I'm going okay. What what shade do we need to be to be perfect? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you, know? right. you know you got the one that's you got to be white. Well, how white? 
you know, or it's right, got to be black. Right. Well, how black? Because there's a lot of right. different shades in the middle. Like, if it's a black yeah. issue, let, you know, let me know so I, I can get my Scottish butt out there and, and uh, <laughs> get a tan on. I want to get the right amount of melanin going so that I can be in the, the in crowd. I reject right. the whole thing, the man. Chosen. I, yeah, I, I hate that whole discussion, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, personally, I'm of the opinion that we were probably more fair skinned. Um, simply because uh-huh. I believe that there was less radiation to contend with. Now, I I, uh-huh. I base that on the old my old thinking though. I'll, I'll be honest, is that that was when I believed in the Carl Baugh Kent Hovind model that the Earth was protected by a canopy that didn't allow you know uh, harmful radiation of the sun to get through. So that being uh-huh. the case, I would imagine everybody was more of a pinkish hue, actually, um, and that it was after the flood when the environment changed that. You know, people began to have more uh, melanin production. Um, I don't believe that anymore because I don't believe in that cosmology anymore. Uh, All right. However, I, I was actually I had this guy, uh, Dr. Ken Johnson, on my show before, and uh, he was pointing out some things to me a while back. This is a number of years ago now, but th- he had seen some uh, Egyptian, you know, like uh, tomb paintings or something that showed uh, lighter-skinned people. Uh, and a woman pregnant, and they were another. There was another depiction of a woman picking like berries or something, and then feeding those plants to the pregnant woman, and then the white pregnant woman gives birth to a dark-skinned baby. Uh-huh. And um, as I looked into that, I found that in the equatorial regions such as Egypt, you know, and further south and whatnot, you know, when you when you get around the band. Inside, inside the tropics, you know, specifically around the equator area, that you know, our Father, our Creator, and His all of His sovereign wisdom, put various plants within the tropical regions that will actually cause your skin to produce melanin to protect you from the sun. I mean, I imagine that. Right. Right? It's like if you're going to live in this right. area, hey, He gave you foods that will actually m- make that tolerable. Yes. Um, so I'm more of that opinion that. Uh, in fact, it was uh, Cush, I believe. Uh, his name means black. That he he may uh-huh. actually be the first uh, biblical black man. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, why would you name your child that unless that was unusual? Right, right. I mean, right. That's, that's sort of my opinion. Yeah. If everybody else was yeah. light skin and the dark skin comes out, and you and you name the child, hey, dark skin, you know, uh, right, that, that right. makes sense to me. Yeah, and I I agree with you um, because we see that. Ham inherits Africa and that region, mm-hmm. and yeah, I do agree that you know as we learn about the cosmology that the sun in its dance back and forth between the tropics, it provides a lot more sun for those that live in the equatorial regions as it goes back and forth over the course of the year, and so it would make sense to me that the people that live in this particular region are going to, especially over generations of time, mm-hmm. acclimate darker and darker skins. So. Yeah, it makes sense to me. You know, I know people get all wrapped yeah. around the axle about it. I don't. I, you know, yeah. I don't think it's worth fighting. People are like, oh, is Jesus black? Is Jesus white? You know, I don't care if he's black. Right. It doesn't matter. Uh, you right. Know, <laughs> it really doesn't. Not to me. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm in, your, in your opinion... There's one race, human, and the other is the, you know, the hybrid. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay, next chapter. Again, I looked in- attentively while sleeping and surveyed heaven above. And behold, a single star fell from heaven, 
which being raised up ate and fed among the, those cows. After that, I perceived other large and black cows, and behold, all of them changed their stalls and pastures while their young began to lament one with another. Again, I looked in my vision and surveyed heaven, when behold, I saw many stars which descended and projected themselves from heaven to where the first star was. Into the midst of those young ones, while the cows were with them, feeding in the midst of them. I looked at and observed them, when, behold, they all acted after the manner of horses and began to approach the young cows, all of whom became pregnant and brought forth elephants, camels, and asses. And the, at these all the cows were alarmed and terrified when they began biting with their teeth, swallowing and striking with their horns. They began also to devour the cows, and, behold, all the children of the earth trembled, shook with terror at them, and suddenly fled away very interesting Enter the all right Nephilim. chapter <laughs> yes exactly and the cannibal giants yeah yeah okay chapter 86 and again i saw with mine eyes as i slept and i saw the heaven above and behold a star fell from heaven and it arose and ate and pastured amongst those oxen and after that i saw the large and the black oxen and behold they all changed their stalls and pastures and their cattle and began to live with each other and again I saw in the vision and I looked towards the heaven and behold I saw many stars descend and cast themselves down from heaven to that first star and they became bulls amongst those cattle and pastured with them amongst them and I looked at them and saw and behold they all let out their privy members like horses and began to cover the cows of the oxen. And they all became pregnant and bare elephants, camels, and asses. And all the oxen feared them and were affrighted at them and began to bite with their teeth and to devour and to gore with their horns. And they began moreover to devour those oxen. And behold, all the children of the earth began to tremble and quake before them and to flee from them. Mm. What's your opinion of the first star? Well, this is um, interesting to me because you know how in the scriptures it ascribes all sin to Azazel. Right. Well, in the apocalypse of Abraham, Azazel is the serpent, Satan, the dragon. And so I wonder if, um, because you know, it talks about in Second Enoch that Lucifer and the order that was um, with him were cast out on the second day. But in this particular text, it makes me wonder if the first star is Lucifer, you know, and that mm. Christ said, I saw Satan like like lightning cast down from the heavens. And is it, um, this star, is that representative of him? And then is, you know, which would have happened in very ancient times? And then uh, is this where these other stars join him? Is that then the watchers? And so, um, yeah, I don't know, but it it talks about certainly in the ancient manuscripts, even the legends of the patriarchs and the prophets, that you know Satan fell and was cast out on the second day. And so I'm not certain, but there seems to be, you know, the star that fell there is representative of him, of him, and then we see that um, we have this other group the watchers which we know that they came during the time of yared 
and it was after the creation of humanity uh, and after Adam and Eve and Cain and all that. And so they, um, you know, they were the ones that slept with the daughters of Cain, as it says in the Kevin Nagast of, you know, coming down and seeing them in orgy. They were scented um, and painted like harlots, and then they took wives of all which they chose. And bringing forth the giants, then those giants began to cannibalize uh, humanity and to consume the the children of men. Yeah, uh, I was just looking at again at uh, Dr. Ken Johnson's commentary. He he believes it was Azazel. Uh, it says then I saw really? a star. And he's got he's got Azazel in parentheses there. Um, it says, uh, saw the large cows that he identifies as the Sethites and the black cows as the Canites there. Uh, he says in his footnote, and the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, Jude 1, 6, being the stars yes. coming down. What's interesting is, you ever watch the uh, uh, Paramount Pictures, uh, when the introduction to the movies for the, by Paramount? It shows. Mm-hmm. It starts off looking at the sky, and you see stars begin to fall, and the stars come down, and they they skim right over this body of water, and then form a ring over the top of the mountain. There's 22 stars. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, which yeah. you know you got Thinking the you get the mountain with the 22 stars like a halo right. over it. And uh-huh, right. if I'm not mistaken, that's how many watchers are listed by name as the leaders. Leaders, yeah. 22 watchers. Yeah, you know, I never even thought about that, but yeah. I think you're right. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> that is. Uh, and in his, in a second footnote there, he says regarding the uh, uh, elephant, camels, and asses, he says the um, the different clans of Nephilim, they begat sons, the Nephidim, and they were all unalike, and they devoured one another, and the giants slew the Nephil, and the Nephil slew the Eljo, Elge, right. Elio, the Eliud, and the mm-hmm. Eliud mankind and one man another Jubilee seven twenty two, so right. showing that there were different classes. And the way I've always looked at that was that uh, you you had multiple uh, generations. Um, uh-huh. Now I, I think you may also have just multiple a variety of offspring depending on the attributes of the of the watchers. You know whatever attributes yes. that they had may have produced right. their attributes. Azazel producing uh, probably a, a satyr. Like being, yes, right. In my opinion, um, uh-huh. so so that may be part of it. Another way of looking at two maybe successive generations. I don't know, but because you do have, like for instance, in the Greek myth, you have the ethereal gods that air, you know, that came down to land, you know, that kind uh-huh. of thing. And then you have the Titans. And then under that you have the Olympians, and then you have the right. demigods, and so you have the you know this multi-tiered thing, which you find in pretty much all of the ancient religions and and people, right. people groups. They had these you know multi-tiered things. So you know I I think it could be one or the other, or maybe both, a combination of I think, whatever. Yeah, I think probably both. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because you know even Barossus he gives the account of all of the different hybrid beings that were part animal and even part human even the centaur you know and uh, minotaur and talks about um, serpentine like even Cecrops who uh, was said to have um, established Athens was part reptilian and part man like a gorgon Mm. almost like Medusa and so yeah you have all these kind of strange weird hybrid beings spoken about as coming into being during this time 
Wow. And so, that's great. Yeah. So we got a few minutes. Maybe we can get to the next one. Let me try to. Yeah, I think so. Uh, get my mouse working here. There we go. <clears throat> okay. Chapter 86 in the Lawrence. Again, I perceived them when they began to strike and to swallow each other, and the earth cried out. Then I raised my eyes a second time towards heaven and saw in a vision that, behold, there came forth from heaven, as it were, the likeness of white men. One came forth from thence, and three with him. Those three who came forth last seized me by my hand and raised me up from the generations of the earth, elevated me to a high station, and they showed me a lofty tower on the earth, while every hill became diminished, and they said, Remain here until thou perceivest what shall come upon those elephants, camels, and asses, upon the stars, and upon the cows. Yeah, the exceedingly high place. Uh. Uh, and again I saw how they began to gore each other and to devour each other, and the earth began to cry aloud. And I raised mine eyes again to heaven, and I saw in the vision, Behold, there came forth from heaven beings who were like white men, and four went forth from that place, and three with them, and those three that had last come forth grasped me by my hand, took me up away from the generations of the earth, and raised me up to the lofty place, and showed me a tower raised high above the earth, and all the hills were lower. And what said unto me, Remain here till thou seest everything that befalls those elephants, camels, and asses, and the stars, and the oxen, and all of them. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it could have been, you know, you know, Mount Meru, Mount Olympus, this exceedingly high place that Satan took Christ when he showed him all the kingdoms of the world, um, that perhaps, you know, this was the same place that Enoch was taken to, to look down and peer upon and see and watch the unfoldings of what would be the destruction of the, you know, the children of the the watchers. Yeah, this is another one of those scenes I see in my head visually. You know, we were right. we were talking off air the other day about you know collaborating on a Enoch script. Yes. It just right. you know depicting stuff like this can be really, really cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see what he says. Um, Ken Johnson says the first one uh, he has parenthetically Michael. Then the other three archangels followed him, and this uh-huh. is, of course, a description of Enoch's rapture being taken up to view these things. Yes. Let's see. Oh, we, let's see. Do we have time? Maybe. Yeah. I'll try yeah, to refresh. Okay. Chapter, uh, what is it, 87? Yes. Then I looked at that one of the four white men who came forth first. He sees the first star which fell from heaven and binding it hand and foot he cast it into a valley a narrow a valley narrow deep stupendous and gloomy then one of them drew his sword and gave it to the elephants camels and asses who began to strike each other and the whole earth shook on account of them and when i looked in the vision behold one of those four angels who came forth hurled from heaven collected together and took all the great stars whose form partly resembled that of horses and binding them all hand and foot, cast them into the cavities of the earth. All right, chapter 88. And I saw one of those four who had come forth first, and he seized the first star which had fallen from the heaven and bound it hand and foot and cast it into an abyss. Now that abyss was narrow and deep and horrible and dark. And one of them drew a sword and gave it to those elephants and camels and asses. Then they began to smite each other, and the whole earth quaked because of them. And as I was beholding in the vision, lo, one of those four 
who had come forth stoned them from heaven and gathered and took all the great stars whose privy members were like those of horses and bound them all hand and foot and cast them in an abyss of the earth. That's it. All right. We'll pick it up next week, brother. All right. See you on my show. Good show. show. Yeah. All right. God bless all. Good night, everybody.